Pastor Leon and his wife Sheila founded Gospel Tabernacle Church in 1982 in the heart of Lawrence, South Carolina. Since then, the Lord has richly blessed and increased the ministry and family of Gospel Tabernacle Church. Here at Gospel Tabernacle, we believe in the power of the Word of God to change the hearts and lives of believers. Gospel Tabernacle is a family church ministering to the whole family through the charismatic teaching ministry. Today's message will grow your faith and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit. He's in love with the Word that He has given us. I hope that you are. Let's make our confession of our faith today. Everybody say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, incorruptible, ever-living seed, the Word of God, and I'll never be the same, never, 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 in Jesus' name, hallelujah, 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 say it again, come on, hallelujah, give him praise, glory to God, amen, glory to God, come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Somebody say hallelujah. Somebody say bless his name. He's wonderful, isn't he? Amen. Every devil flees when you begin to praise and worship God. Amen. He's such a wonderful Lord. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6 is where we're going to be looking at for a few moments today as we uh, share the word of God. 1 Timothy chapter 6 is where I want us to be just for a few moments. And then uh, we're going to sort of continue our study that the Lord laid upon my heart several weeks ago. And I've been talking about, or just begun last Sunday, speaking about the fight of faith that we are in. Every one of us is in a fight of faith. Whether you know it or not, you are in a fight of faith. If you are doing something against the enemy that is against you, you are, of course, fighting the fight of faith. If you are not doing anything against the enemy that's against you, you're still in the fight of faith. You're just losing. And so I'm going to help you today get involved in the fight of faith. And not to quit, not to give up, not to stop, not to hold back, but to just give everything that the devil is due and do it in the name of the Lord. And so in 1 Timothy chapter 6, as Paul talks to his dear son in the faith, Timothy, he says, verse 11, But you, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness. Follow after godliness, after faith, after love, after patience, and after meekness. Verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. Notice it. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, wherefore you are also called, and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. Notice the connection in fighting the fight of faith and your profession or what you and I might be more comfortable saying, your confession. It means the same thing. Verse 13, I give you charge in the sight of God who makes alive all things. And before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. Jesus was our example. And before his enemy, Pontius Pilate, if you want to call it that, in his fight of faith, he maintained a good confession. See, that's a real key. When you're fighting this faith, we hold on to our confession right before our enemies when we are fighting this fight of faith. What else can a fight of faith be other than to be what you believe and what you say, your confession? Verse 14, that you will keep this commandment without spot, 
unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Many of us, when we begin our Christian walk with the Lord, I dare say all of us, when we begin our Christian walk with the Lord, we come to the Lord and we confess our sins. We say that we are sinful, that we are in need of a Savior. Christ Jesus comes into our life offering us forgiveness. He forgives us. And then we say we are forgiven. We say we are born again. We say we are children of God. How many have made those confessions? Say amen. We, we say those things in our life. It doesn't stop at the new birth and you never have another confession in your life. No, no. It's a continuation the Christian life is a life of confession. It was that confession and your profession of your faith in Christ Jesus that broke you out of the power of Satan, that broke you out of everything that the devil would bring against you. That was your profession of faith. And we have to make confessions of faith in all of our walk with God and all of the things that we do in this life. People say sometimes, they talk about beginning and starting this church and say, well, did you begin a church, start a church? I think of it more like this. We tore this church out of the hands of the devil. That's what we did. This place where we tore it away from the kingdom of God. Jesus said the kingdom of God suffers violence. The viol they take it by force. They don't take it by ease. They don't take it by quitting. They don't take it by not entering the fight. They take it by force. They literally do something that God has told them to do. They make, and we did that when we were born again. We made our profession, our confession of our faith, and God honored that. Well, we keep on making it. We don't ever stop. Now, regardless if the enemy shows up, some Christians have this mentality. They will go with me as far as I've went. And then, oh, you know, walk out of this church, glory to God, I'm a child of God, I'm saved, and I know that I am. And they begin singing the song and worshiping the Lord and praising him. But then the adversary comes. And the adversary makes an attack against them and against their faith. Well, I just guess things don't work quite the way Pastor said it did. Maybe it just doesn't work for me. Maybe I'm just not that one lucky person that's born under that lucky tree at that lucky time. Maybe it's just, you know, just for others but not for me. And they walk away. But that is the point. That is the point that you keep on going and you keep on making your profession and keep on staying with your confession and you hold fast, the Bible says. It's our conf that's the fight. It is right, that is the center, that is ground zero for your fight when you begin this fight of faith. It is at the point of your heart, your mouth's confession of your faith at the very beginning. That's the seed form of everything you'll ever receive in your life. Is seed form right there in your heart and the confession of your faith. And so that's the fight that we're fighting. And so I guess you would know by this understanding, and just don't go nuts with it and say, well, pastor said we're not supposed to stand up against opposition. Well, we are. But our faith, our main fight of faith is the fight we have in our own hearts and lives. I'm not really in any kind of capacity able to fight a battle out there until I fought it first in here. Remember when, when the, uh, in the book of Acts chapter 19 and um, the sons of Sceva came up and they tried to cast the devil out of the sky. And the man says, the devil-possessed man says, well, you know, you, you, you prayed about who Paul talked about and you prayed in the name of Jesus. And you're right, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but I don't know you. Never seen you. You won't win a battle until you first won your own battles in your own heart and life. Any battles, I heard Pastor Aflacow say this, which is very good. And he said this, he said, any battles you don't win, you'll pass on to your children. If you don't know how to defeat the devil in your own life, you can't teach others how to defeat the devil. If you don't overcome the enemy in your own life, 
inherit in you will be that failure or that defeat that you'll pass on to your offspring. And so it's very important for us to win the battle. Somebody say amen. Absolute for yourself and those that are around you. So the Apostle Paul says we fight the good fight of faith. Of course, a good fight, Brother Jerusalem says, is a fight that you win. We fight this fight that we're going to win. And we keep on fighting. If you're losing the battle, the battle's not over yet. Right? If you're in this midst of this war and you haven't won yet, the war's not over yet. That last, that last argument, husbands, that you think you won with your wife, it's not over yet. Lighten up. Come on. And so the battle continues. How long does it continue? It continues till we win. Stay in this thing till you win. Stay into it till you win. The good fight is a fight that you win. Now then, we spoke about that, and we briefly looked at it, and I'll just read for our remembrance here to show us how important it is. Look at 1 John chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 1. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. That's me, that's you. Everyone that loves him that begot loves him also that is begotten of him. In other words, you just love everybody. I mean, you know, that's the cure. I hear people on television talking about all the hatred and bitterness and racism and different things in the world, and they want to talk about this forum or this symposium or this conference or these set of guidelines. You know, get saved and you'll love everybody. Amen? Get saved, you'll love. It won't even be a question to you anymore. You won't even have to battle. I mean, you, you get, when you get born of God, you love everybody else that's born of God. That's what he says. Verse 2, by this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and keep his commandments, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. There's a connection there. Keeping commandments don't get you saved, but people that are saved keep the commandments. Don't divorce it. We've got some folks running around today talking about, you know, things that commandments and things don't get you saved. I agree they don't. But also understand this, that a saved person keeps the commandments. You're not keeping the commandments. That's the manifestation that you're not saved. If, if I walk up to a tree and I, I see peaches on the ground, that's a manifestation that it's not an apple tree. It's a peach tree. And, and if you're living like the devil, that's a manifestation. You're not God's child. You're living like the devil. So it, they both go together. Okay? Faith, believing, of course, comes first. But they both go together. You can't have one that faith that works or dead. You've got to have them both. Verse 4, for whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. That's me. That's you. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Your victories in this life are tied to your faith. It is not tied to how much God loves you or in some ways the world doesn't love you, so to speak. It's not tied to that. It's not tied to how much God favors you or doesn't favor you. It's not tied to whether God has a plan for your life or whether he doesn't. I believe that he does. But it's not tied to that. Your victory is not tied to the, you know, the sovereign purposes of God throughout the ages. Your victory is not tied to that. Your victory is tied to your faith. Your victory is tied to your faith. Notice what he says here. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. My victories are connected intrinsically to my faith, to my believing. The battles I win, the battles you win, will be because there is a faith connection between you and the winner of the battles, the Lord God Almighty, and that connection is your faith. The Bible spoke about the woman that was healed, and Jesus said to her, your faith has made you whole. Brother Hagin said it like this many years ago. Well, if her faith made her whole, my faith would make me whole. Everybody say, if her faith made her whole, then my faith will make me whole. That's just the way it is. Amen? Somebody shout amen. If her faith made her whole, my faith would make me whole. 
I mean, away with the stuff. Well, you never know what God to do. I know what God to do. I don't know everything God to do. I'm not <laughs> omnipotent. I don't know everything God does. Omniscient, in other words. I don't know everything. But I know some things he'll do. And I know this. I know he always honors faith. And he'll honor your faith. And he'll honor my faith. All right. So notice, I've got to fight this good fight of faith because or else I'm not going to have the victory because my victory is hooked to my faith. My faith is hooked to my fight. Okay? I fight the good fight of faith because faith is hooked to my victory. And if I want to win victories in this life, I must have faith. If I want to maintain my faith, I must fight. Very simple. Not hard to understand at all. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. Look there with me real quick. If you want to find one verse in the entire Bible that talks about what faith is like and a description or an example of faith, here it is. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. As it is written, speaking of Abraham, I've made you a father of many nations. This is the way God talks. I have made you a father of many nations. You are a father of many nations. In other words, when God says it, it's over, done. Once God speaks it, that, that's it, man. You, you can go into battle. Go ahead and do whatever you want to do. Once God says it, it's all over. It is done. He said, I've made you a father of many nations. Before him, Abraham, whom he believed, even God, even God. Now, what does God do? Who makes alive the dead. You have King James Version that says quicken. That means make alive. Who makes alive the dead. God can make alive the dead. And what does God do? He calls those things not as though they were. And so when I face an issue in my life, a thing that is not, I call it as it is. If I face a financial need in my life and there is truly financial need there, there's a deficit there, there is in the red, so to speak. And I face a need. It's in the hole. It's a negative figure. And I face a need in my life. That is what I'm wanting is to have positive cash flow, positive finance, positive assets. That's what I'm wanting. But I look at it and I see the negative. I see the, the want. I see the need that is there. What I don't do is this. I don't talk and confess my need and my want. What I speak about is this, that my God shall supply all of my needs, that you call it needs, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in Christ in glory. That is my confession. And the house of the righteous is abundance, the psalmist said. That is my confession that I make. It is God's good pleasure to give me the kingdom. That is my confession that I make. Again and again and again, <clears throat> we fight that faith battle in the air financial need, for example, that I'm talking about. We fight that with a positive confession. We call things that are not. Now, is there a need? Yes, there is, but we don't call it. That's not what we're calling it. We don't come to God and we talk to God about, oh, God, I got this need. Here's what it is. And take all my bills and get them all out and lay them out before God. And say, God, you see that when you see that when you see that when you see that one. Got all that God. Now I'm looking right here and here they are and I'm talking to God. That's terrible. They're coming to do this. They're going to come take my car away. They're going to come take my house away. They're going to come do this. They're going to come do that. They're coming to take it away. Hey, hey, whatever. You know, they got all this kind of stuff that I keep saying they're going to do to me. No, I don't do that. We don't, we don't do that. That's not what we do. God knows in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, he said, God knoweth that you have need of all these things. Is that right? But seek you the kingdom of God and him first, and all these things will be added unto you. So when that really, 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 really would be happening in my life or in your life, what are we to say? God knows you have the need. You know that you have the need. Nobody denying that the need is there. But we call those things that are not. We don't call the need not. We call the supplying of the need. That's what's not, as though it were. God, these needs exist. They are there. But, Lord God, you supply them all in the name of Jesus. They are all met in the name of Jesus. In fact, long before, 
long before I'll have a need, the money will always be there in Jesus' name. It'll already be there in the name of Jesus. God is an on-time God, and my personal experience is this. God is not only an on-time God, he is a way-before-time God. That's my personal experience. I, I know some people talk about sometimes at the last minute God came through. I haven't experienced that with God. God comes through way before the last minute. I mean, you know what? The Bible says this, that you fast and you pray and you seek God, and before you even call, he'll answer and say, here I am. Isaiah chapter 53. And so God will speak those things into your life and he'll do it. That is our confession, and that is our fight. Even in the midst of circumstances and situations in your life, we maintain the confession of our faith, which is calling things that be not as though they were. That's what Abraham did. He did it for 25 years. He called things that were not as though they were. When I was praying to be healed and wearing glasses, I did that for five years. I was saved in October of 1975. It was on February the 4th of 1980 that I was healed of wearing glasses. It took me five years calling things that be not as though they were. It took me five years of praying, five years seeking God. It didn't take God one second now. I'm telling you what it took me, okay? And I'm not saying me was right, but me did get there, finally. Got a hard head, but sometimes I got to hit it a little bit harder, amen? I mean, sometimes you do. It wasn't God, it was me. But I persevered and I stayed with it, and I received of the Lord, Okay? But you, I, didn't, I didn't do it. Well, I don't guess God's ever going to heal me. I didn't come down and pray one time. Well, I guess that's it. I had some big-name people pray for me. I did. Because during that five years of seeking God, I, I, you know, I knew of men and women in the earth that God had touched with healing gifts in their life. And I said, I'll go to them, get them to pray for me, and I'll, I'll get healed. And, and I had some big-name pray for me. I mean, some real big-name people pray for me. And uh, we traveled. We didn't care. Hey, man, if I'm going to get healed, it wouldn't, what, what you mean, five minutes, days, weeks? It didn't matter. I'd take a vacation week off and, and go travel hundreds of miles. If I'm going to get me healed, it's well worth it. And so, and, and Sheila and I did that. And uh, we, and we got to meet a lot of people during that time. And I learned a lot about myself, and I learned a lot about God, and I learned a lot about what hindered my healing, and, and finally came to the conclusion of that understanding and did receive my healing. But I didn't walk away when the first big-name person that, that laid hands on me and prayed for me, and, and I got up and still, you know, just as couldn't see as I ever could. I didn't get up and say, well, I guess God didn't want to do it for me. Big-name Joe here has prayed for me, and I didn't get nothing. Well, I guess that's just it. God just wants some of us to get healed, some of us not. I didn't do that. You know what I did? I, I, in, in my way of thinking then, I, I said, you know what? T.L. Osborne told me this. And I went in the Bible that he is a Lord God that heals me, Exodus 15, 26. God, you're my healer. You are my healer. And I might not have received it. That's what's not this time. And big name Joe that prayed for me, you know, I'm, I don't lose any confidence in what God has done for him and the ministry God's given to him. I still believe you're my healer in Jesus' name. Right in the middle of not having it. Right in the middle of it not so-called <coughs> working for me. Right in the middle of not receiving what I was believing for. It was then that I kept going back. Exodus 15 and verse 26. There it is again. Exodus 15 verse 26. There, 26, 15. There it is. There it is in Jesus' name. There it is. T.L. taught it to me. I read it. I believed it out of the scriptures. He is a Lord God that heals me. You are my healer in the name of Jesus. You have sent your word, Psalms 107 verse 20, and you have healed me. In the book of Matthew chapter 8, Jesus went and prayed for all those that were sick, that it might be fulfilled by Isaiah the prophet, in what, uh, Isaiah chapter 53, 4 and 5. All of those chapters that he talks about, that he bore this sickness. It ain't no way I can't be healed in Jesus' name. 
And I kept saying it, and I kept believing it, I kept confessing it, right in the midst of not having it. Thank God victory came. The glory came. It was amazing. God is really just a wonderful person. I thought it was going to come one time and some Holy Ghost feel saturated, you know, church service where big name Joe was there and the choir was singing and we were running, shouting and dancing. Bam! I was going to get healed. That's what I thought. And I got it in that God-forsaken highway department right here in Lawrence. Or God can bring healing anywhere. <laughs> Amen. He can do it. He can do anything. God is good, and I'm giving him all the praise. All right, let's go on. Now then, so then, we've been talking about that. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. Let me tell you what fighting the good fight of faith consists of. It's so simple. It's so easy. It's not hard. Anybody can do it. If I can do it, you can do it. Anyone else can do it. And that's still some battles in my life. I still fight the good fight of faith about, and we always should be in an endeavor of a fight of faith. Don't, don't ever give up. Don't ever quit. Don't ever stop. Stay with something. If you don't have a fight of faith, get something bigger than your life that you desire. Something greater in your life, another direction you want to go. Always have an arena of faith that you're operating in. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. We fight to believe. This is what happens. We fight to believe God's word and not Satan's lies. We have a choice. The word of God's out there. The devil's word's out there. You can believe either one you want to. It is completely your choice. You are autonomous in that decision. You may make it either way you like. It is completely up to you. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. In other words, if be aware here, and respectful, honorable, fearsome of the idea, the thought that there's something God's promised you that you can get, and you, you didn't get it. A rest, a place that God has said you can be at, and you hadn't entered into it yet. You haven't made it into that place yet. You, you need to consider that. Get, get What's going on here? What's happening here? Get sort of understanding that understanding of fear. Is a, I, I need to do something here. I need to find out what's going on in this situation. Look at verse 2. For unto us... Paul speaking of New Testament Christianity, for unto us was the gospel preached. All of us have had the gospel preached, I dare say, here in America. We have heard the words of the living God. We have his word in so many forms in our life, whether it be the written text that has been handed down to us by the power of the Holy Ghost that we, we call this Holy Bible, or whether it's through music, or whether it's through song, or whether it's through preaching, or testimony, or testifying of individuals that are close to us, radio, television, internet, all these places that we receive from, the gospel's been preached. One of the big encounters that Christians have is this, is we, we're looking for something new. We want a different play on words. We, we want uh, something that... Uh, a revelation, and I believe God, we all understand revelation, okay? But we're wanting some kind of revelation that's way out there, and there it is. When I get that way out revelation, bam, there's going to be my healing. There's going to be my miracle. There's going to be what God does in my life. When I get that revelation, I mean, uh, you know, if I can climb the deepest, uh, uh, or <laughs> the deepest valley and climb the, deep, the highest mountain, if I can do something, uh, we're looking for that kind of thing that we're going to try to get in our life, but that's not it. It's very simple. Jesus said in Mark chapter 9, verse 23, if thou canst believe all things are possible to him who believes. But somehow that's just too simple. It's too easy. And we look to make it hard, and we look to make it difficult, and those kind of things. 
But, but notice the gospel is preached in us. And so it's that gospel, not a new word, but the gospel that you probably already heard, unless you just haven't heard anything. But the gospel that you've already heard, that's it. The word that's already been spoken, that's it. And that's why it's good. I don't know if you've ever read something that ministered to you from the writings of a great man or woman of God that has ministered to you and, and read it. Read it again. Read it again. Read it again and again and again. And some of the books I see published today, read some of them old ones again and again. Because you're seeing some wild stuff out there. But, you know, read it again. Stay, stay with the Word of God that has been proven and tried. And, and stay with it. Dig into it. If you're not receiving the, the promise, if you're not uh, seeing that fulfilled in your life, the Scripture that you... Be, read it again. Stay with it. Stay with it. Stay with it. Just keep knocking your head against the Word until your head gives in to the Word. Stay in it. Stay in it. Notice what he said, verse, verse 2. For the gospel has been preached as well as unto them. Old Testament saints, New Testament saints, both got the word of God. Ain't no difference. Okay? But the word preached did not profit them. The word they heard, the word preached, that was spoken unto them, that was proclaimed, it didn't profit them. Some people, the word does not profit them. And it ain't the word's fault. Okay? Some people, the word preached does not profit them. And it ain't the word's fault. It's the them's fault. You've got to understand that in life. And, and we live in a place right now where people don't want to accept responsibility and they don't want to accept that, hey, just maybe, just maybe something might be wrong with me. And a lot of people just aren't in that reality today. They're always saying something's wrong with someone else, some other thing, and maybe even it's God that just don't want to do or just for me, it's some different class of person that I am that God just doesn't minister to me. But that's not the case. God loves everybody the same, and he does the same for everybody that does the same. There's no, no difference, no respect to person with God. The word preached didn't profit them, even though it was a good word. Notice verse 2, part of it, for the gospel was preached. The gospel was preached. That's what was preached. But what was preached, the gospel, didn't profit them. What's their problem? It wasn't mixed with faith in them that heard it. And so when you hear the Word of God, it is not enough to only hear the Word of God. You must hear the Word of God and believe it. In other words, when you read the Word of God and that says something, what you need to be saying is, that's me. It's talking about me right there. I mean, I love everybody else, but that's me. That's my book. That's my revelation. That's my understanding. That's God talking to me. If God hadn't talked to anybody else in the world, that's enough right there. He's talking to me. That is to me. Everybody said, the Word of God is written to me. I have a professor fan. He is really smart. One of his favorite sayings is, the word of God was not written to you. That's his favorite saying. The word of God was not written to you. Now what will he do? He will go into the historical, the historical criticism, and he'll begin to look at the word of God. Well, that was Daniel talking to Nebuchadnezzar. That's not you. That was Jesus talking to the woman at the well. That's not you. That was Paul talking to Timothy. That's not you. That was John talking, you know, my beloved Theophilus. That's not you. And by the time you get done, there ain't nothing in there written to you. Except the price tag on the top of that Bible that you paid for it. You had to pay that now. But you didn't get nothing else wrote to you. No, no. Do I know that, that Daniel was talking to Nebuchadnezzar? I know that. Do I know that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob had conversations between themselves and talked up? I understand that. But also, when the Bible said in the book of 2 Timothy, I know in 1 Peter, no word of God is of a private interpretation. 
Uh, the word came as holy men of God spake as they're moved on by the Holy Ghost. I know in 2 Timothy where it tells me also that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Uh, and all of it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be perfect, thoroughly furnished into all good works. I know that. And I'm one of those people. And you are one of those people. And the Word of God is written to us. Amen? It is. And as long as you think it's not, it, you're not going to mix faith with it. And if you don't mix faith with it, you're not going to win the victory. You don't win the victory, the devil's going to treat you any way he wants to, and you run your life any way he wants to run it. And that's where nobody wants to be. But I know their failure. And so our fight is to mix faith with it. That when you read the scripture, you say, that belongs to me. Everybody say, that belongs to me. Kenneth Hagin wrote a book many years ago called Healing Belongs to Us. I mean, because, you know, a lot of people teach healing or preach healing. And there's some preacher teach healing that you wouldn't know they're preaching, teaching healing after they got through preaching, teaching or healing. I mean, you know, well, healing was something you get in the sweet by and by. One person finally said this, yeah, I believe in healing, all right, but it don't always happen here. It happened over there. Well, thank God over there we're all going to be healed. So everybody, everybody say amen. But what I would need healing for would be right now and here and now. Amen? And I've seen enough people healed in the here and now in Jesus' day. Why didn't you tell that woman with the issue of blood, you just go ahead and keep it on. Now, I know you done had it 12 years, but go ahead and keep it. You'll get healed over there. No, she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague right then when she touched his healing garment, right? That was in the right now, here and now. Why didn't he say that to Bartimaeus? He didn't say that to him. Why didn't he say that to so many other people that he prayed for? Why didn't he say that to the man that was in the tombs that was devil-possessed? Why didn't he say that to him? You just stay devil-possessed until you get over there. No, he got him free and healed right now. How many knows God loves you right now, here and now? Amen? He does. He loves us right here and now. Now then. All right, so then, not being mixed with faith, let me hear it. So when you read the Word of God, mix faith with it. Don't, don't get in there and be like a goat and butt things. Yeah, but. I've heard people, yeah, Pastor, I know it says that, but. Yeah, I know it says that, but don't you think that sometimes God just has to teach us something? And I'll say, I think God has to teach us something all the time. And I think he gave us the word of God to teach us and the Holy Ghost to explain it to us. Have you been listening to either one of them? That's my big question. Yeah, but. Don't you think God's got his own perfect timing? Yeah. And the Bible says now is a day of salvation. And we say in South Carolina, when is God's time to heal you? It's right now. Amen? Somebody say, right now. Combination of right and right. Right now. Anyway, right? That's God's time to heal me right now. Right now. And people do that stuff or other things. I want it when you want it right now. And somebody said, I got a million dollars for it when you want it. Oh, I don't know. Bring it to me one day. You wouldn't say bring it to me one day. You'd say bring it to me right now. I want it right now. Amen? Sheila and I had our first date, and I didn't get no kiss on our first date. Got to her house that night and got her home. She had to be home at 1030. Got to her house that night, and I said, I know what I'm going to do. I get up to the front door. I'm going to give her a kiss. And when I got up to the front door of her house, the lights were on. It looked like Grand Central Station at noonday. Every light in the house that could be turned on was turned on. 
We went up to the porch there to come in. You know, the porch light was on. Big old windows in the front were open. The blinds were open. Shades were open. Curtains were drawn. And her daddy was right in there with a knife whittling like this. I said, that kiss will have to wait. But then the next week, as we discussed it at, at school, you know, we discussed the arrangements of this particular date, you know, that kind of thing. Gomer Powell's mom and dad just shook hands on their first day. But anyway, as we discussed it that, that Wednesday, she said, well, what you should have done is park, not park, but you should have pulled over the side of the road before we got there, right before my house, right out you passed the stop sign. So our second date, I couldn't wait to get to that stop sign. Because once I knew I could, I was going to get my kiss right now. Right there, she was playing on me right now. Well, anyway. Why, why, why you come to God and God says he got something for you and you say, well, give it to me in a sweet by and by. One day, he's working on me. Well, I think God's working on all of us. I do. And when you get it, God will still be working on you. I think he's working on all of us. If you're that hard-headed, quit being hard-headed. If you think, well, I've got to make changes, I'm like, go ahead and make them. But no, 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 no. Go ahead and receive from God, then make the change. You'll keep on making changes. None of us have arrived yet into perfection quite yet, I don't believe. And so receive from God. Receive from God. Amen? Right now. All right. Now look with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Fight that good fight of faith. The Word of God's written to me. It's written to me right now. I receive it now. I have it in Jesus' name. Now, look at Ephesians chapter 2. You should know a lot about Ephesians, but Ephesians chapter 2. Here's a second fight we fight. We fight the fight of faith when it comes to our identity with Christ. I am, you are, identified with Christ. There's a lot of wackos in the world today, you know, trying to identify something as we all know they're not. Bunch of nuts. They're trying to identify, so well, I identify as this, I identify as that. No, 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 no. You can identify this and that all day long, and if it's not what God says you are, you still not. You're just deceived. You're funny looking. You're strange. You're weird. You're a nut. And all those are kind words. Could be a lot harsher than that. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Somebody said, well, you hurt my feelings. Your feelings need to be hurt. Somebody said, don't tell me not to touch that electrical socket. It might hurt my feelings if you holler at me. Well, if you touch it, you're going to get shocked more than my hollering. So I need to holler at you to get you to not to touch the electrical outlet. And then this thing in the church, saying, well, the church, you know, we should make everybody welcome. Everybody is welcome. Everybody is welcome. But everybody shouldn't be comfortable. You shouldn't be comfortable in your sin. You should be real uneasy. Amen? If I see you squirming, I know it's you, so don't be squirming. No, we should be. I should be. You should be. We all should be uncomfortable in sin. Amen? Absolutely. Hurts my feelings. It does me good. Go ahead and hurt my feelings. Amen? Amen. All right. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's get our identity right. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. I was dead in trespasses and sin. God has made me alive. This is a past tense action. Verse 2, where in times past, that proves it, 
times past, not now, times past. You walked according to the course of this world. The path that the world laid out for you, you just walked right in it. According to the prince of the power of the air, power of the devil. The spirit that now works in children of disobedience. Not speaking of little children, but of offspring of disobedience. Or children of God, children of disobedience. That's how we lived in days gone by. But now, verse 3, among whom also we had our conversation or a manner of life in times past. And the lust of our flesh, past. Fulfilling the desires of our flesh, past. And of the mind, past. And were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. We wasn't any different than anybody else that are sinners. We were the sinners by nature. We sin by acts. We certainly can do that. But the real problem is the sin of the nature. We sin because of who we are. Sinners sin. Righteous people live righteous. Okay? And so that's what he said. In the past, this is how we were. Verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened or made us alive together with Christ. For by grace are you saved. Notice, you've been quickened, you've been made alive, us together with Christ. Everybody say, with Christ. When he died on the cross, I died on the cross. When he, his payment paid for sins, went to the heart of the earth three days and three nights, that was you and I. We, we did that. When he rose from the dead, we rose from the dead. When he received all authority and power that was given back into him, we received it. When he was seated in the heavens beside of the Father God, we are seated in heavens beside of the Father God. That's where our identity is. That's who we are in Christ. That's who I am. That's who you are in Christ. We are identified with him. I have no identity without Christ. I'm identified with him. Now, notice verse 6. He says, And hath raised us up together, and made us sit together. See it again? That's the third time he said together. In heavenly places in Christ. That, that's where I live. I do not live at 746 Verncourt Road. I live in Christ. You and I, we live in him. That's who we are. We live in him. Verse 7. And in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved, and through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Notice, it is through my faith. It is through faith that I identify with Christ. Now, some people wait and identify for Christ when they feel like they identify with Christ. Some people won't feel like they're in authority over the things that God says you're in authority over when they actually experience that authority doing something in their life. But no, you know that you are in authority over things, whether you have defeated it presently or not. Once you understand in faith that you're in Christ Jesus, you don't have to have the thing work out for you in order for you to say, I won that battle. You know you're going to win that battle before you even go into that battle. That's faith. We identify with Christ. I am in Christ. Somebody say, I am in Christ. Say this, say, I'm not of the devil. Amen. This is a wicked world, not us. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. And so the world might be nuts and doing all kinds of sinful things, ungodly things that they do, but that's not you, and that's not me, and that's the, not the way that we live in life. 
Yet the world will try to push it in on us time and time again. The world saying all kinds of things. Well, you know, everybody does it. Well, no, everybody don't do it. Everybody says, I don't do it. Man, stand up, have a voice in this earth that they can hear. Rather than just succeeding and doing everything or succumbing to whatever they say and, and do whatever they say. And they say, well, everybody does. Well, I guess so. I guess you're right about that. No, they're not right about that. I don't do that. Not right about that. Someone told me one time, and, and they said this. They said, you know, we sin every day. And I told them, I said, you know, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I don't, I don't think I've sinned on a day yet. And let me see. I got up. I did this. I did that. Now I didn't sin there. I did this and did that, and I, don't, I, don't, I didn't sin there. Read my Bible right there and done my devotions. No, I didn't sin there. Went over here. And you know, yeah, it is. It's 3.30, and I hadn't sinned yet. You don't have to sin every day. But we accept what they say. Oh, we sin every day. We sin every day. No, 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 no. Could I sin? Yes. Have I sinned? Oh, yeah. But I don't make a practice. I don't live and I don't sin every day. Amen? It's not who I am. It's not, it's not who I am to be a sinner. I am the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. I identify with Christ. And so you start breaking your mind loose from some of this stuff. You'll start living in it continually. Living in it. Identify with him. Look, look with me, First John chapter 3. Here, here's another thing, the fight of faith that we're keeping, that we're battling, that we're fighting. First John chapter 3, verse 8. The Bible says he that commits sins of the devil. And, of course, we understand the translation, that not just a one-time committing. Could be, but not just a one-time committing. It's a practice of sin. Those are, make a practice of sin in their life. Make a practice of sin in my life. If, if in my life, I don't do this, but if in my life you and me got mad and I just cussed you out one time and didn't cuss you out again for another five or ten years, I don't guess I'd be practicing that sin. But if I cuss you out every day, you, you pretty well know what's going on inside of me, right? amen? I mean, you sort of know what's going on then, and we understand it. You might miss the mark every now and then. Next time somebody cusses, you say, just don't make a practice of that. Don't cuss me like that. I've been cussed out by some good cussers, too. I, I mean, you know, men and women both can cuss. I mean, well, ooh, wow, I've been cussed out. First John chapter 3, verse 8. He that commits sin is of the devil. He that practices sins of the devil. If you are a practicer of sin, you are not of God. You are of the devil. For the devil sins from the beginning. The origination of sin is the devil in our lives and his life, and that is what it is. And for this purpose, for this reason, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Everybody say, the works of the devil are destroyed in my life. Jesus' name. But people say, oh, I don't know, Pastor, he's strong. So you're still fighting that fight of faith. It's hard for you to believe that the works of the devil are destroyed. See, Jesus was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Well, I don't know. The devil seems like he's having ways in my life. But what you're doing, you're doubting that verse of Scripture, verse 8, that Jesus was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. And what you have to do is build that into your heart and build that in your spirit to the point that you know that you know that you know that the works of the devil have been destroyed. So much so, so, so much so that we'll understand that the devil had no part nor lot in this matter, as Jesus said. 
the devil hath nothing in me. What Jesus, everybody say, the devil hath nothing in me. Why? Because his works have been destroyed. Jesus Christ destroyed his power over me at the cross of Christ Jesus. Every sin was broken. Every iniquity that could possibly come against me was conquered completely and done away in Christ at the cross. And it is my fight of faith not to destroy the works of the devil, but to believe that Jesus did it. That's our fight. If you're still trying to destroy the works of the devil by yourself and on your own, and you're the one that's trying to conquer him and trying to defeat him, you will miserably fail. On the natural level, you natural against fallen archangel Lucifer, you are no match. The devil will whip you all over Lawrence County, South Carolina, the United States and the world. If it's just natural you, okay? You know, don't have to be a natural woman like Aretha Franklin said. If it's just natural you, just natural you against the works of the devil, the devil's going to win. The only way you're going to defeat the archangel fallen devil is for you to be in Christ far above, far above principalities and powers, authorities and rulers of this earth. That's the only way. And so my identity has to be in Christ, and I have to believe that Christ has already defeated the devil. You have to believe that Jesus is Lord. We often talk about that passage of Scripture when we think about making Jesus the Lord of our lives, but the thing it is, he is Lord of our lives, but he's also Lord of the devil too. He is over the devil. He's not under the devil. Not at all. The devil is working under the authority that Adam gave him in the earth. And that authority is not over Christ Jesus. Jesus is over that authority and that power. And you and I, we have to recognize Jesus has destroyed the works of the devil. It's defeated in Jesus' name. So, so what do we do? One of the works of the devil, sickness and disease, you've been destroyed in Jesus' name. You're defeated in the name of Jesus. Sickness and disease is defeated in the name of Jesus. Poverty, you've been defeated in Jesus' name. Hatred and bitterness, you've been defeated in the name of Jesus. And we stand in agreement with that God Almighty through Christ Jesus has defeated every work of the devil. Look at second, look at Colossians, not second, but Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 verse 15. The Bible speaks of this defeat and it says, having spoiled principalities and powers. This is Christ Jesus. He has spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. In the cross of Christ Jesus, he spoiled the work of devils and demons. He triumphed over them, and he did it openly for all the world to see. And so you and I should see that in our lives and should see what Christ has done for us. He's completely defeated the work of the enemy in our life. No weapon now that is formed against me shall prosper. Amen? Isaiah tells us that. No weapon formed against me. Luke, Luke tells us that even devils are subject to us in your name. Why? Because God Almighty through Christ Jesus on the cross has defeated all the works of the enemy. And, and so this thing of being scared of the devil, of running from the devil, of hiding from the devil, of you're scared the devil's going to show up somewhere in your life today, ought not be in the life of a Christian. Ought not to be because you've, you've been empowered. Jesus has already defeated him. It is a done deal. It is all over. The Bible says in Acts chapter 10, 38, how that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the power and with the Holy Ghost who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. 
And so if people are oppressed of the devil, their healing is in Christ Jesus because he has overcome the oppression of the devil. And so the devil can't oppress us. That, that's why. That's why. Now, I'm not trying to belittle or make fun of anyone that's going through a difficult situation in their life, but, but the Christian should not be walking around depressed all the time. Can you get amen on that? We shouldn't be walking around like we just lost our dog and our best friend. I mean, you, you shouldn't be so upset about life that, that you walk, Christians should be walking around mad all the time. Chip on their shoulder. Just wait, what'd you say to me? You know, that kind of stuff. You shouldn't be doing things like that. You shouldn't be down and out singing the blues all the time. I mean, you know, that, that's not where our life is. We are not there. No oppression of the enemy can come against us. Jesus has defeated that. He's overcome that. We'll talk a little bit more about that maybe next week. We'll get more time on this. And, and, and a great book that you could read, get you started, is a book by Tim LaHaye. I think Tim's went on to be with the Lord now, but I met Tim a number of years ago. Real short fellow, but anyway, great man of God. But he wrote a book, talked about the battlefield of the mind. He wrote it way back, way back. I'm talking a long time before George Meyer uh, did her work on it. But this is way back there that he did. It's a great book that talks about that's truly where our battlefield comes from. It's in the mind. It's our thoughts. And as long as I believe the devil's got power of me, he's still got it. But once I begin to believe and exercise my faith and fight this fight of faith and recognize that Christ has defeated the devil and he destroyed the works of the devil, then there is my victory because his victory is my victory. What Jesus did, he didn't do for him. <laughs> Jesus had things going pretty well when he's in heaven before he ever came to planet earth. Everything was all right in heaven. Wasn't a problem whatsoever that Jesus faced there. All things were going according to the will of God in heaven. And that's why he brought the kingdom of heaven to earth or the rule of heaven to earth because it was the earth that was in rebellion and he's going to bring back the rule of God on the planet earth. And he did all that, not for him, he did all that for you and me. Amen? At God's direction and God's telling him to do it, suggesting that he did, and he, he honored the Father by doing it, and he came here for us. And so the devil has been defeated by Jesus, but for you. Defeated by Jesus for you. And so ain't no devil in hell, out of hell that can cause you a problem this morning. There's not an opposition. There's not an oppression. There's not a depression. There's not any suppression. All these possessions that come against people. None of those need to come against you and me. None of those. They can come against us, but we are defeating every single one of them. Why? Because Christ did. We are in Christ. And if he destroyed the works of the devil, then I destroy the works of the devil. If they were destroyed in Christ, they're destroyed for you. And so the devil has no more part in a lot in this matter. Amen?